The title of the message is John's Revelation of Jesus on Patmos. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Now, this scripture is not only talking about salvation. It is also talking about drawing Jesus, drawing you to himself in the midst of your circumstance. This message came out of a time of of, of you know, my dad with his CEA, CEA levels at an all time high. And, you know, it really put me into a, you know, a, a frantic state, so to speak. And I would just I would just pray, God, show me you, God. Father, I, I want to be a servant of you. I want to see you. I want to know you. And as I begin to study the picture of who Jesus is in the book of Revelation, it gave me peace. It calmed my storm. And it just made me want to worship the Lord even more. You see, as we continually see the nation in open rebellion to God, we need to have a revelation of Jesus Christ, not religion. Religion will save no one. Religion is responsible for murder. Religion is what so many wars have been fought over. When Jesus Christ was on the earth for 33 and a half years, in Rome there was a place called the Gates of Janus. And when these gates were opened, there was war going on. Those gates never opened the entire time Jesus was on the earth. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The government will rest upon his shoulders. Jesus is coming back once again to set up his kingdom from Jerusalem. He will not ask the government would, if he can have the Ten Commandments placed somewhere. He, that's right. He will not ask permission. He will not take public census. He will not try to figure out what the people want. He will do what he wants to do because he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I am looking forward to that day. Praise God. Now, when you look in Revelation, we're going to be in the beginning of the book. We're going to be in Revelation chapter one. And I think we start in verse nine. This is the most detailed picture of Jesus Christ and what he looks like now. That excited me. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on John's stay at Patmos. After Paul was beheaded in Rome in 67 AD, Timothy would become the pastor of the church at Ephesus until the age of 80. But then he would die at the hands of an angry mob in Ephesus. Now, John, the aged apostle, would outlive Timothy and Paul. And he took up the bishopness. If that's a word, I don't know. Okay. For 29 years, he guided the churches in this area. History says that John lived on the top of a mountain. And he would be able to hear Christians losing their lives in the Colosseums below him. The emperor Domitian came to power. And people loved him because he was a great financier. He was a top-notch builder. But as he would continue in office, his true colors would be shown. And he would be a wicked tyrant. He reset the moral code of the day. And he began to persecute Christians that disagreed with him. He did this by censoring them, silencing them, and went after them. And threw them into lion's dens. Threw them into coliseums. And Christians became sports. The early church father, Tertullian, who is known for his accuracy, 
gave the account of John when he was 90 years old. He was summoned before the emperor Domitian to stand trial in Rome. It was said that Domitian told him, you take this incense and you throw it into the fire and you declare me as Lord. And John said, never. Jesus is Lord. From that moment, he was taken, thrown into a vat of oil. He was dipped in front of the whole place for them to see. And he came out unscathed and unburned. God's miraculous power was there to deliver him. Out of fear, Domitian took him and put him on the Isle of Patmos. And I want to show you a picture. This is the inside of the cave that church history says this is where John was. This thing that, that the circle on the wall is this, they say is where John used to pick himself up. There was his deacon Procurius that would sit on the top and that would write down everything that John would say. I thought that was pretty amazing. And then there's the view from the cave. You can about imagine how beautiful that must have been, all of what John had saw. So this brings us to the first point. We may not be in ideal circumstances. Patmos, it's about 95 AD. John, the beloved disciple, was on board this ship as the newest insurrectionist. He would be on the Aegean Sea, headed to the modern-day Alcatraz of that day, 60 miles off the coast of Turkey from Ephesus. Ephesus is where he would live the rest of his days of his life. Now, this ship would be carrying murderers, thieves, rapists, and political prisoners. John would, would face, when he'd get off the boat, a mob of angry Roman soldiers with whips. But Patmos housed criminals and also political criminals. When you were a, a violent criminal, you served hard time. When you were a political criminal, you were sent on that island and you had to survive your own. That's why John found a cave and lived in the cave. 1,600 years later, after this revelation experience... Um, 16 years, 1600 years later, this, you could see the, 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 found the cave. But when the emperor Domitian died, John was granted amnesty to go back to Ephesus. See, the point is, you may feel like you're on an island of Patmos today. Like you are chained in bondage, or you are chained and imprisoned to sickness or fear. Listen, if you are in a spiritual cave, there is no cave that Jesus Christ cannot find you in. Number two, know that you are not alone. Listen, the Bible is encouraging because it is written by real people who have faced what we faced. Revelation chapter one, verse nine and ten. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. See, when you enter into the kingdom of God, you enter into a brotherhood, a sisterhood. The Bible says that there's a great cloud of witnesses watching us. I wonder what they are seeing in the modern church today. I wonder if they are seeing Christians that are standing, believing in faith, that are not compromising. Or or, are they hanging their heads in shame? You and I are part of that church. It is up to us to remain steadfast in our belief systems and our faith, no matter what the world tells us to believe. John would identify himself 
as their brother. He didn't say, I'm one of the twelve. He would say, I, they, I am your brother. Remember, Paul was beheaded by Rome, in Rome by Nero, 30 years earlier. There was no apostolic voice at this time until John would write the wonderful book of Revelation. Your brother and companion. Think about this. I want to do a little bit of a Greek word study here, not to just talk about Greek, but to show you what these words truly mean and to give you insight of why John was so encouraged by just what Jesus showed him. In the days of Alexander the Great, to be deemed as a brother in the Greek culture was to literally, someone would survive a battle in war, they would stand next to Alexander the Great, who was the greatest war mind probably of all time. And they would stand next to him and he would tell them, you are my brother. It was the highest honor in the Greek culture. And this word also means one who comes from the same womb. See, we say, hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, brother, how you doing? But in the in this culture, brother means from the same womb. So John is saying, I am your brother in tribulation. You know, when you're going through some stuff, it's good to have people that go through some stuff next to you to encourage you, to show you that you can walk on. John was saying, I completely understand your struggles. Satan comes to you and says, no one understands what you're going through. No one understands your struggle. But John would say, I am your brother in tribulation. I am your brother who is with you. No, ideal circumstances may not always happen, but the church of Jesus Christ is arm in arm with you. That is that is amazing when you think about it. Tribulation here is not just hardship. You know what it means? It means when they had a prisoner, they would lay them down and they would take a huge boulder on a rope and they would pick that boulder up, put the person underneath and then begin to slowly drop this huge boulder until well it would begin to smash them. And, and they would have to they would have to acknowledge if they were if they did something wrong or not. And if they didn't, it would literally crush them. That's what that word tribulation means. Are you being crushed by circumstances or is the life being squeezed out of you as we speak? John would say, I know what that's like. Hold on. Help is coming. We need to be able to still trust God that he's still able to heal the sick, that he is still able to deliver like he did in the book of Exodus. Patience is a powerful word in the Greek. It's hupomeno. It means under and abide. That means when you're under tremendous tribulation, abide in Christ. That means though you don't get the answer you want, you stay steadfast. You stay standing. You stay, or if you have to stay lying down, you stand and you hold on to your faith. You don't worry about what you see. You believe on the one who died for you and who is able to deliver you. Listen, one phone call from the doctor, one policeman showing up at your house could destroy everything that you know. The reason I bring this out is because John was suddenly in a circumstance that he was not knowing that he would be in. In Revelation 1-9, it says, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
This word was, I know when you think like really was, that's, that's really something that you break down. But it is because this word was is a sense of shock and surprise. That means they came get John suddenly. That circumstance came upon him suddenly and instantly he was in prison. Life as he had known it for 90 years turned on a dime. When you think about that, that is how quick things can change. To mention the word Patmos to his followers would have devastated them. It's like hearing the word cancer. When you heard the word Patmos, it was like, oh, no, you're kidding me. And it's the same thing when we hear that our brothers and sisters have sickness of all kinds. It, it burdens you. Come on, you, you feel for them. You wish that you can take that, that burden away. And he was in prison for his faith. I can actually see how that would be nowadays. But hold on, church. Coliseums today have air conditioning. Number three, God is a God of suddenlies. Revelation 1, 10 through 11. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches that are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Once again, that word was means suddenly. He was in the presence of the Lord. So in your suddenly circumstances that put you on a a caged island of seclusion, you can have a suddenly moment with Jesus, which means he can show up in your circumstance. And even though he doesn't change the circumstance, he can give you a revelation of his love in the circumstance. I'm talking from experience. You may go through something for years, but Jesus will continually show himself in those circumstances. And the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Listen, we don't serve a dead God. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. The great physician that is able to heal you of any sickness. The way maker. The one that says, come on the water of of, of impossibilities. And I will make that thing a sidewalk for your victory. John heard a voice like a trumpet. Means he heard a gigantic voice. Jesus said that he is the first and the last. Meaning everything is in him. Everything was he was before all things and he is the end of all things. He was showing John this because he was saying, John, I am still in control. I am still in control. Revelation 111, what you see right in the book. Now, the reason I put this here, because the seven churches at this time were the most influential churches. There were approximately thousand cities in Asia And whenever these churches would get the go ahead of what to do, it would filter through the other churches. Now, listen, Jesus knew all of these churches. At one point, he even calls out a church member and it describes the problem that one pastor had with his manipulative wife. 
Jesus knows in the church. They didn't see Jesus walking around the aisles of his church, but he was there. But before he goes into that, he wants to speak to his beloved friend. In Revelation 1.12, he says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Now, you can't see a voice. But remember this. It had been 60 years since he heard that voice. John says that he sees the voice. Can you imagine the aged apostle who laid his head on the breast of Jesus? The disciple that was at the foot of the cross watching his master give up his ghost. The, the disciple that Jesus said, watch my mom. He didn't even let his, his, his brothers and sisters watch his mom. He wanted John to watch his mom. He never forgot that voice that he heard for three and a half years. And then think about it. That voice calms fears. That voice can calm your fear. It can calm your fear. I want to ask you something. Can you see that voice? Or has Patmos blinded you? Your circumstance blinded you. Can you not even look to heaven because of sin in your life? I want to encourage you. Let that thing go. Repent. Lay it down. If there is something that didn't work out like you wanted, trust God. Look at God on that Patmos and say, God, I'm ready for a revelation of who you are in my circumstance. I want your power. I want your will. You get there by being in Patmos. Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. Exodus 14, 13 and 14, fear not. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Come on, what's the Egyptian in your life? What is the Egyptian that God can slay and make fish food? Point number four, Jesus is working in the midst to purify. Revelation 1.12, it says, And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Let's bring the church into this now. The church is the absolute greatest establishment on this earth. Listen, there is no establishment better than the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ has all authority on this earth. You might say, well, it don't look like it. Hold on. Hold on. We have all the authority. Why do you think we need to be removed to let the devil have his way on this earth? (laughs) Individually, it is our own responsibility to walk our own walk to honor the Lord. But Satan has always tried to destroy the church. Empires have been risen were the most powerful empires on the face of the earth. They tried to exterminate every single Christian. But those empires lay in dust. 
a shame for all the earth to look at and see. You see, the church overcame you. And the church still stands today, ramrod straight, looking at the face of turmoil and trials. But we will be victorious because Jesus Christ has said we would be victorious. Now, when you look at the seven candlesticks, we can look at a picture. I want to show you what this is the one that is actually going to go in the new temple when they finally build it. It said the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. Revelation 120, the seven lampstands which you see are the seven churches. So there's no mystery here. John saw Jesus in the midst of the seven churches. Now, listen to this. Golden in the Greek is the absolute purest gold. It's the purest of the purest gold, which is the royal blood of Jesus. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Gold is located in a rock that must be taken from the earth and it must be crushed. Jesus was crushed. Then water must wash over it to wash away the dirt. Jesus Christ has washed us of all sin. Then the gold is placed in a furnace with blazing fire. Jesus purifies us in our trials. Then it is made into a liquid form, skimming off the dross of impurity. And this process is repeated over and over. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit's work on a daily basis. Now listen, this process is tedious, expensive, patiently, and very uncomfortable. If it is not done, the impurities stay in the gold and it, make it, it makes it very weakened. Once this process is done, the gold becomes pliable. I am looking at pliable gold today. That was made from the purest gold, which is the blood of Jesus. So when you think about all the things that you are going through, this is what's happening. God's just skimming off the dross to make you more valuable. When you see scandal in the news, that's just God wiping the impurities. Listen, don't look at the church on TV and point and laugh and say, look at that church. Look at this. We should be praying for that. That is our brothers and sisters. Yeah, they have people that aren't, may not be acting right, but God still loves his church. This is how we go from glory to glory. Notice immediately, John sees Jesus in the midst of the candlesticks. Jesus and his church cannot be separated. Now, if you look at a lamp, let's look at a clay lamp. Because the because we are individual lamps. Remember during the time of Jesus, he would tell stories. And he would talk about the lamp being full of oil. Now, these lamps were very brittle. And you would have to be careful not to break it or spill the oil out. You see, the church is golden, but it is made up of clay. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. You put the oil in the, in the belly of the lamp, and it burns the fire out of the mouth. That sounds like what we should be doing. We should be filled, full of the Holy Spirit, and we should be letting the light come out of our mouth. Jesus said in Matthew 5.15, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. 
and it gives light to all the house. A basket was a container that was used for measuring grain. And it would if you put it over a lamp, it would smother it. Listen, what is the container that is over the lamps? What sin is smothering out the light? Because sin makes you shameful. You don't want to stand up for God because the devil is reading your mail. Well, if you repent of that mail, it goes into the trash bin, never to be remembered against you anymore. And you could stand firm because Jesus is the one that stands on the side of you. Now, this light, if it was dark, these these lights had to go everywhere in the city. It was in every business. It was in the house. It was in establishments. It was on the roads, symbolizing that light needs to be everywhere. The gospel needs to be everywhere. The gospel, the Bible says that to put it on a stand, that means you put the higher the lamp goes, the more light shines for all to see. There's a lot of lights right now. Secular humanism, evolution, which is absolutely foolish. (laughs) It is. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend any college people. (laughs) No, but they teach this stuff as fact. They teach it in high school as fact. That's ridiculous. The Bible says in the beginning, God created, period. Give me an F on my test. No, praise God. Seriously, we must know what we believe. This must be passed on from generation to generation. Because years from now, we will have Christians growing up thinking that things are okay and they're really not. In the middle of the lampstand was one like the Son of Man. Jesus is in in the midst of his prized possession. Jesus is in the midst of us. We may not see him just like the seven churches did not see him, but John saw him. Number five, Jesus is king and glorious over every problem. We must remember this. In Revelation 1, 5 through 6, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, he has made us to be a kingdom, priest, his God and father. To him be the glory and dominion forever. John saw this and it gave him great encouragement because it showed that in the midst of government turmoil, the king of kings was still there and he was still ruler over all. John, in John chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That word comprehend means to overtake or overpower. It does not mean to understand. What John is saying, that no darkness can overcome light. You can have this place place pitch black. One small light will will light up an area of, of pitch blackness. Listen, our light must not be put under the bushel of political correctness or politics. Revelation 1.13, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded around the chest with a golden band. I'm going to kind of go through this quickly. Back then, a king wore a, a gold belt around his chest. But what John saw was a thick belt which means more authority, actually all authority. So Jesus was showing him that I am king over this circumstance. I am king over what what is going on around you, John. Now in verse 5, John sees him as a king. 
But now he's seeing him as a priest because a priest wore the long robe clothed down to the feet. But John still saw his feet because priests did not wear shoes because it was considered bringing contamination into the place of God. That's why when it says when you witness, knock the dust off your, your feet, that you don't bring that unbelief with you. So when you look, it was comforting for John to see this giant belt around Jesus to see he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And in Revelation 1.14, his hair was like white wool, white as snow. He is seeing the same thing that Daniel saw. But Daniel, in, in Daniel chapter 7 verse 9, Daniel saw him seated. But John describes him standing. Now when you are sitting, it's a place of rest. But when you are standing, something has piqued your interest. You see Jesus standing twice when Stephen was stoned. Remember that time? Jesus was standing. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I want to put up a picture here. I wonder if Jesus was standing when that happened by the demented, demonic Isis. Those brothers lost their lives, but rest assured, they are standing in glory and would not want to come back if you asked them to. See, people are still being killed because of the gospel. Revelation 1.14, and his eyes are like a flame of fire. Now, when you look at fire, we automatically think of heat. But what happens when you sit at a fireplace and you see fire coming up? It mesmerizes you. It soothes you. You begin to see that. You see that that fire is engulfing an object. So when John was seeing Jesus, he was seeing flames. And when Jesus was looking through his eyes, he was seeing John, representing that Jesus' eyes are on his bride, and he loves them, and he is watching them. He is not ready to burn us. He's not ready to kill us. But fire does represent judgment. The question is, how do you respond to God is the fire that you will get. If you respond to God as a child, you will be purified. But if you, if you respond to God as a despot rebel, you will burn like paper in the fire. But rest assured, Jesus has come for all to look to him. To, to worship him, to let him be their God. Revelation 1.15, his feet were like fine brass, refined in a fire. This word for brass, it means judgment. But it's made up of two words, which really, this was one of those things where I just put, put, put it down and started worshiping God. Because this word is chakalabanan, which means brass, and frankincense. Now you cannot mix frankincense with metal. And it does not make a copper alloy. But what does frankincense represent? It represents prayer. So when John saw his feet, he saw brass, which would be heavy. You're walking. He saw Jesus walking in the midst of his church. But he saw frankincense on his feet. It means that Jesus was walking slowly in the midst of the churches. Prayerfully, the Bible says, giving them space to repent. So he is walking 
You saw what was going on if you read about those churches. There was immorality of all sorts. But Jesus was walking in the midst. He's walking towards them saying, I will judge. I have to judge. But I'm prayerfully giving you time to repent. That is what John saw. It, frankincense was gum, uh, comes from a tree and it makes gum and you burn it. It makes powder. And that's what they would use to, to burn incense. That's why it represents. It was prophetic. Remember when the Magi brought the, the three gifts to Jesus. He brought them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold because he was a king. Frankincense because he would be a priest. And myrrh is what you embalmed bodies with in those days, which made him savior. It was prophetic. Revelation 1.15, and his voice was a sound of mighty waters. This is cool. Because really, go try to talk by Niagara Falls. It will drown you out. Which means his voice is the only voice that matters. His voice will drown out every other voice. His voice will drown out circumstance. The Bible says that we need to take every thought captive that exalts itself against the name of Jesus. That means if you're dealing with something, sickness, and Satan comes to you and says, I will kill you with this sickness. You go to God and you say, Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is my healer. You take that thing that comes at you and that tries to exalt itself above the Lord Jesus Christ and you combat it with the word of God. Now, in, we're going to be closing here. Please bear with me. Revelation 1.16. He had in his right hand the seven stars. I want to show you a picture. This is the emperor Domitian. He had these coins made because his son Jupiter died. And he tried to deify him by putting this coin with the seven stars. So Jesus comes down and says, Jupiter is nothing. I am Jesus. And I am holding the seven churches in the palms of my hand. This is the power, John. Not those stupid coins. I love the way Jesus uses modern day vernacular. I wonder what he would be saying now. This word he had in his right hand means to hold tightly, firm, and it's progressive, meaning that he's continually holding you. So you don't have to worry about circumstance. Jesus is holding you because he is Jesus. Not because of anything that we do or don't do. Revelation 1.16, out of his mouth goes a two, sharp two-edged sword. That word sharp is the same word that was used when Jesus, when they gave him a narcotic on the cross in Mark. Jesus does not want to take a sword to cut his church. He is taking the sword and he is going to cut out the false doctrine to cut out the immorality, to cut out the compromise, to heal it, and to bring truth. Do you think Jesus wants to cut you up? Jesus is ready to correct us. That's why he walks slowly, prayerfully through the church with the sword to correct because he knows that judgment must begin in the house of God. And if, it, if judgment begins with us, what will it be for the ungodly and the sinner? The Bible says. Jesus is coming back again. 
And believe me, this this SCOTUS issue will be the dividing line between the church and the true church. And God will come in and he will remove the true church when this thing is wrapping up. I'm so excited about seeing the Lord Jesus Christ come back one day. And I'm just going to end with this. I, I, I can't get through it all. John said he fell at his feet as a dead man. Think of that. And he laid his hand on him and said, fear not. This blessed me so much. Think about the teenage John in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus would reach down and say, fear not. The many times that John would run to Jesus for no telling what. And Jesus would say, fear not. And John, the beloved disciple, is at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus, in all of his glorified state, stooped down to touch John in his mortal state. Which is a picture of what Jesus did. He left the glory of heaven to come down to where we were. And he is telling you today, fear not. Come on, though the lions are at the, at the gate on leashes, fear not. Though the world is pointing the finger and closing in on the church, fear not. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Remember when John was with, I mean, Jesus was with Peter. I want, because the question is, how did, why did John survived the, the, the vat of boiling oil. Remember this conversation when Peter was basically putting his nose where it did not belong, like he always did, or putting his foot in his mouth. Jesus said in John 21, 22 through 23, Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but he would remain, if he remains till I come, what is that to you? And Jesus was fulfilling that to John. Because John saw Jesus come back in his glorified state. That's amazing. That, that blessed me. Can we stand? I don't know what you're going through today. I know the things that I'm going through. But all I can tell you is keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on his cause. Keep your your feet about the Father's business. Continually move. Listen, there is not a time for us to back down from circumstances, to be afraid to pray for people, to be afraid to tell someone about Jesus Christ. Now is the time. I believe that God is releasing his anointing like never before because we are in the last of the last days. And the Bible says, and I say this all the time, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We are living in the time of the end. We are living in the time where we will see miracles again. I always ask the Lord, Lord, let it be today that we experience it. So you may be here tonight and you do not know the Lord and you're on the island of Patmos in your own circumstance. I want to see your hand. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity 
If there's anyone here that does not know the Lord, I know it's Wednesday night and, mo- and, and probably everybody in here knows the Lord. But if there is someone here that does not, I don't want to close the service without giving you an opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe there are some of you here that have lost. All you see is the Patmos in front of you. Look higher. Look through the circumstance and see the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you right now. Father, there are many here that are dealing with circumstances, God, that Patmos has blinded them, God, that that seclusion has blinded them, God. Father, I ask that you would deliver your people, God. Father, I ask that you would pour out your spirit on the needs of the people here today, God. Father, that you would reign sovereign and king of kings over every circumstance. God, that you would heal sickness, God. Father, that you would bring financial help to those that are in in a bind. God, that you would bring direction to those that need direction. Father, we thank you that we are your church, God. Father, we embrace all that you are and all that you want to do. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, give us what you want, God. Give us what you want, God. Lord, we ask that you would use us, God. Use us. Let us show your glory to your people, God, and to people in the world, God. Father, allow us. I know that many churches are losing their salt. God, salt, make us salt and light, God. We lift our lamps up higher, God, to outshine the darkness all around us, God. Father, we pray for your constant watch care upon every person and every family, God. Lord, I thank you that you are with them in every circumstance and every storm, God. God, I thank you that you are moving in their families, God. Come on, some of you may have kids that are out in the the pig's pen right now. Call them in. God, we call them in by your spirit, by your might, God, by your grace, Lord. And Father, we thank you tonight for being with us. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause. Thank you, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Listen, if you have any prayer that you're in need of, come up. We'd love to pray for you. And if not, God bless you and good night.